Heavenly Father, on this beautiful Sunday, Lord, we declare that you are Lord and you are King and you are everything. Lord, you are the one who controls the vehicle of life. You are the one who controls the wheel of our vehicle. Lord, take control over us. Take full control from head to toe, from the inside out, Lord. We are desperate for your touch. We're in need of your touch. We need you desperately more today than yesterday. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And may the name of the Lord be praised. I pray as you transition now to the message. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here today who will be listening to today's message. Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you alone, our God, is our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Let me begin with today's title. The title of today's message is called Jesus Christ, the Head. Jesus Christ, the Head. I have a short main scripture for us. Let me begin. If you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1, two verses, verses 22 to 23. And it says this, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Amen. And amen. If Jesus Christ is not controlling the steering wheel of our vehicle, Christ is not controlling any of me. Christ should never be a customer, and we are the driver that we drive and drop, or someone who remains in the back quiet. But Jesus Christ must remain the head in the front, the captain of my vehicle. There are seasons where, where we are on the wheel, learning to drive, and he is the instructor with the brake, tells us to stop, tells us when to go. He teaches us the ropes of life, how to navigate towards this one life that we have, to be faithful to him, to live for him. And there comes a time where we're in danger and he is in control of the wheel. He is the driver and we must follow him. We must follow his voice. We must follow his guidance in the way that he teaches us, in the way he leads us. So if Christ is not controlling the steering wheel, Christ is not controlling any of me. Turn to your neighbor and say, may Christ be your head. May Christ be our head. Amen. And amen. May Christ be our driver. May Christ be our mechanic. May Christ be our food. May Christ be our drink. May Christ be the air that we breathe. May Christ be our everything. Like the song, you are the strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all, seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, 
to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. May Christ be our head. May Christ be your all in all. Amen. And amen. A.W. Tozer said this quote. He was an old English preacher who used to say, If Christ cannot be Lord of all, he will not be Lord at all. Certainly he wants to be Lord of all of my life. He wants me to be a disciple who will allow him to rule my entire being. Is Christ the Lord of all of your life? Let's begin with point number one. Christ must be the head in all branches. In all branches. What are the main branches of our lives? A, B, C, letter A is my heart. B, my soul. And C is my mind. Is Christ the head in these three main branches of your life? From head to toe, toe to head, inside, out. Is he flowing through my veins? Is he within my DNA? He must be the head to my being, to the core of who I am and all that I am before the Lord. For he is my creator and he is my maker. Just as it says in Psalm 42, the psalmist writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul, my soul, nefesh, my being, my all, my everything. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? There's a desperation here. And sometimes when you come home, when you're driving late at night, you see deers eating because they're trying to survive. Imagine being so thirsty, craving that water, that fresh water. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, my God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? What was your excitement like last night? What was your excitement this morning to come to the house of the Lord and to hear the word and to worship him and to praise him? Where was your excitement? Where was your zeal? Is it just for today to look pious on Sunday? to look good on Sunday, to look holy just for an hour or two, and then we go home and we live the same way. And then only on Sunday we're different. Do we truly leave this place different than we first came? Are we growing in our maturity? The three main part of your life. What is it? My heart, my soul, my mind. Amen. Christ must be the head in all branches. Point number two, Christ must be the head in all seasons. What do I mean by seasons? Circumstances. Different stages of life. In all seasons, letter A, no exercise. B, no going back. C, no grumbling. D, only forward in grace. Amen and amen. 
when we commit our heart and our life and our mind to the Lord and our soul to the Lord, there is no exercise. There is no going back. May we not grumble before the Lord, only forward in grace. And as I am basing this message and this point and this title of today's message, I felt light in my heart just to apply for us to be in understanding of the story of the exodus of the Israelites. When they leave Egypt, when they leave the world, when they are rescued as slaves in Egypt, and the Lord guides them, and the Lord protects them, and the Lord feeds them, He provides for all of their needs. And within a month in, what do the Israelites do? They look for an exercise. They talk about going back to Egypt, how foolish of them. They start grumbling, complaining, rebelling against Moses and Aaron, the leaders. But the lesson was that God was trying to teach them in the desert, move forward, only forward in grace, only forward in grace. Why is it that the Israelites so desperately wanted to go backwards? Why? The only time I would say go backwards is go forward backwards. Meaning, you could see your past, where you came from, how the Lord rescued you. But as you're moving forward and you're moving backwards, that's not the backwards I'm talking about. There are times where you need to turn backwards, and they say running backwards is actually really good for you. It's good for your knees. It's actually very healthy. Go backwards and see where you came from. And then turn around and only forward, move forward in grace. Why did the Israelites so desperately want to go back? Why would they want to be slaves in Egypt? Numbers 14, verse 3 to 4 says, Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. There's so much wrong within these words, these phrases. To go back, choose a leader. They have a leader. Christ is the leader. God is the leader. The Holy Spirit is the leader. And then there's Moses and Aaron. Obviously, Moses is the human leader that God had appointed. How can they think about choosing a different God, lowercase g God, to go back to where they came from? Are they that foolish? Are you that foolish to want to go backwards to your old life, pre-Christ, before Christ? BC. Matthew 12, 43 to 45 says this, and Jesus says this. And please listen to me carefully. This applies to all of us, and this is a serious warning for each and every single one of us. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through every place seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, 
swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with the seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. We only do the first part where we even go through meditation, where they say, empty your mind, clear your mind. Do you know that if you clear your mind and you empty your mind, that you have to afterwards fill it with something? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not filled with the love of God, if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you are an empty being. And if you're a shallow, empty being, the devil will come. It says, with seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And we see it with people who have these bad habits, who are hoarders. We see it. Person comes in, helps them with their addiction. And then what happens? A few months later, a day later, they go back to their old habits because all they did was just empty themselves. They did the first part. All they did was clean. But there was no true transformation of the Holy Spirit. There was no filling of the Holy Spirit. Just like Psalm 42, what we just read. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you, my God. When can I go and meet with God? The living water. The living water of life. We must not just empty ourselves and forget to follow and to fill. Again, fill with what? If we don't fill it with God, we're in a very dangerous place. In the book of Ezra, the people rid of themselves of idolatry. But what they forget to do is they forget to fill themselves with the love of God and with the spirit of God. Again, the first step is rid, empty the sins and the rebellion and the pride. But the second step, and this is the most important step, is to fill yourself with the love of God and with the spirit of God. And our next point here, point number three. Christ must be the head on Sundays. Christ must be the head on Sundays. I want to read to you Exodus chapter 16. It's going to be a long passage. But before I go there, let me just talk about what the scripture tells us about who God is. Again, the context of Exodus 16, I'll tell you now. uh, They're only one month in after they got out of Egypt. So when you read this, you would think, these people are nuts. These people are crazy. How can they rebel against God so quickly? But before I go ahead and read Exodus 16, let me quickly just talk about the love of God and the character of God. The first part that I just want to share is the Lord is patient. And the love of God is real. The love of the Lord is real because he is a living God and he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Numbers 14, 
verse 18. Remember this passage because later I'm going to read the second half, but I'm only reading the first half. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. That's what the scripture tells us. And then, to piggyback off of that scripture, the psalmist in Psalm 103, verse 7 through 10, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So that passage in number 14, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. It applies to the Exodus story because the psalmist here in Psalm 103, he mentions the same phrase. Again, you will see it in verse 8, 9, and 10. But it says it here in verse 7. It says, the ways of Moses, to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel, is referencing to the Exodus story. So verse 7 says, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And then with that as our foundation, let's go ahead and read Exodus 16. Again, they're a month in, one month in. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right. The title and the heading says, Mana and Quail. Verse 1, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in and what is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against them. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against them. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord 
your God. That evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. Keep in mind, the first red flag is grumbling and rebellion of just not listening. Verse 20 again, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath, rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil, Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are together, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. First off, before we begin and finish this point of how does this tie to Christ must be the head on Sundays, let's just realize this is one of the greatest long-lasting miracles in the Bible. Again, 40 years, there was about 3,000 people, three meals a day, 365, for 40 years, God had provided for them every single day the food and the drink. Every day, even in the rebellion, God was faithful to these rebellious and proud people. Again, on one side, what we just went over in Numbers 14, 18, the first part, what does it say? The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, Forgiving sin and rebellion, but there's a flip side to that where we realize 
It says in Numbers 14, 18, the second part says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. We understand the sin, the continuation of sin is real. And if we leave sin alone, it mutates, it becomes ugly, gets uglier and uglier. So the Lord is slow to anger, but on the flip side of that, he will not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the sinner, the sin of the children, the parents, the third and fourth generation. So on the other side, on the flip side of that, the wrath of God is real. So how does that tie in with the point? where it says Christ must be the head on Sundays. I'll tell you. Keeping Exodus 16, the passage of the Exodus in mind, understanding Numbers 14, that the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, he punishes the children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. That the love of God is real and the wrath of God is real. How does this tie in with the Sabbath, with Sundays? We must honor the Lord and all begins with who we are on Sundays. And who we are on Sunday should be a reflection of who you are during the weekday, not the other way around. There should not be a double mask that we wear. During the weekday, we are different. We don't trust the Lord, and only on Sunday for maybe an hour or two, I trust the Lord. Because if we do not trust the Lord as we do on Sunday, coming on Sunday all dressed and ready and eager, yearning to hear the word of God, if you do not continue that during the week, we will surely fall. And the seven spirit, the wicked spirits, even wicked than itself, will come, will put us in a condition worse than we were left. It begins on Sunday. And there's a reason why in Exodus 16, Moses, the Lord, through Moses, teaches the Sabbath to the people, the Sabbath rest, and the Holy Sabbath to the Lord. Right away, they started doing it in their own strength. They thought, if I can do more, and greed came, then I will keep myself alive. Then I will be able to help myself. But what we all must do as Christians if Christ is the head, if Christ is truly the head of your life, you need to surrender your Sunday to him. You need to surrender and find rest in the Lord on this Sabbath day. You need to trust that the Lord will provide. And it is the Lord that will rescue us and help us and lead us to a place of sanctification. It is the Lord that will save us and guide us. And may we honor him 
and let us begin on our Sundays in our worship to him. Again, the wrath of God is real. The scripture is very clear. Uh, when we continue on in our sin, we know that we'll be consumed. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, it's not on the screen, but if we deliberately keep on sinning, there will be judgment. Even after we have received the truth, we'll be consumed, it says. And what happens in Exodus 16, in the end? They all die. They're all consumed by the judgment of God. It says anyone who rejected the law of Moses, it references actually Hebrews 10. It references back to the Exodus story. Died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. It says how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. One of the ways that we could tell if a person is genuine and real is compare their Sundays to who they are on their weekdays every day. If we're not consistent, then Christ is not the head of my life. And what we choose to do on Sabbath, on Sunday, is a reflection of our faith and our trust in the Lord. And again, I'm not here to accuse anyone of anything. The Lord led me to tie this whole message with Jesus Christ ahead, especially point number three. It seems out of place, but it is the most important because that's what they were taught right away, to honor the Sabbath, which is also in part of the Ten Commandments. Honor the Lord. Honor him. Honor the Sabbath. Christ must be the head on Sunday. So therefore, when we come to church on Sunday, we need to come on time. We need to come ready. Not just physically, not just to look good, not just to look holy, but truly, do we follow the ways of the Lord? Do we know how to trust Him and lay down our rights to Him? And know that on this day of rest, that when we give this day to him, that the rest of the week, rest of our life, everything is it's, it's, it's settled. It will be taken care of. The Lord walks with us and he fills all of our needs. Whatever we lack, he will fill. In Exodus 16 is a story where it teaches us to trust in the Lord, to trust him with everything that we have. Jesus Christ, the head. If Jesus Christ is the head, you will come to church on Sunday, every Sunday. If Jesus Christ is the head, you will honor the Lord every Sunday. If Jesus Christ is the head, you will trust in him every single day of your life. Again, there are times, again, with jobs and different situations, of course, things can happen. Again, I'm not pointing fingers. This has nothing to do with, I'm not here to pinpoint anyone, but we should always take personally every Sunday. Amen? Amen. Because it's a message for each and every single one of us. And if we don't, we're in a dangerous place of having a hardened heart. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, are you in a dangerous place? 
of having a hard heart. Exodus 9, 12 says, The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen. I mean, what's sad is the Israelites literally saw life of what happens when you reject the Lord, when you don't follow his commandments, when you don't follow the Lord with your heart. They saw what happened to the Egyptians. They saw Pharaoh's heart getting hardened. But right away, they're in this desert of sin. They're doing the same exact thing that Pharaoh did. They would sneak out on Sunday just to get more. If only I could do this, if I could only do that, then I can survive. Are you forgetting that the only way to survive is to give and to honor the Lord, not just every day, but particularly, specifically on Sundays? May we honor the Lord on Sundays. Because if we don't, if we are continuous in our rebellion, we will have a hardened heart. And as Paul says, you'll have, God will give you over to a depraved mind. If you are in a place of a depraved mind, then God will abandon you in your foolishness, in your foolish thinking, and allow you to go in the path that you have chosen. Again, the Lord, he gives you the free will to decide how you choose to be. May the Holy Spirit bring you conviction and passion and strength to honor him, not just every day of the week, but specifically on Sunday. Now I'm closing with this. Numbers 14 here. This sums up the end of the Exodus story, and it's a sad ending was sad for, for most, for all actually, but a happy ending for a few. And only those few are the ones who make their way to the promised land. And this is how the story ends, and we know, but let's just go ahead and read to refresh our memory. It says in verse 26 of Numbers 14, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked, not faithful, wicked, just like the book of Revelation, just like some of the churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, not all church will be faithful. Not all community is faithful. But here, they are called a wicked community. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? Again, do not grumble against God. I have heard the complaints. God doesn't just hear your cries for help, but he hears your grumbling and your complaints. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. He's saying, you asked for it, you fools. You asked for it. You will get what you asked. 
In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more. 20 years, that's very young. There's no one in this room who's younger than 20 years old. Think back to when Christ saved you and how old you are now. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except, except who? Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said will be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, the rest of you, the majority of you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your body's lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Imagine having God as your enemy who can truly survive. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will surely do these things to this whole, again, wicked community which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. How tragic it is to die in the desert, to die in the wilderness. They should have survived. They should have remained faithful, should have cut a water, but they did not. Again, is the Lord not faithful? Is the Lord not patient? No, nope, he is faithful. Numbers 14, verse 8. The Lord is abounding in love. He is patient with us but he will not leave the sins unpunished. He will punish the children of the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, it says. They should have survived, but here they will die. Verse 36, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. Be careful of those who band together and gather people to do wicked things. Do not be part of that group. Get away from them. Like someone, get away. Get away from these individuals who sit and walk and who are crooked, wicked individuals. Verse 37, these men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Amen and amen. A.W. Tozer said this, as Christian disciples, you should be whatever we are, wherever we are, like diamonds. A diamond does not adjust. It is always a diamond. Just so Christians ought always be Christians. It may be well to look at some of the marks of those who are not really disciples. Some of them have a pious, religious, pious meaning religious, devout, sincere. You look religious, holier than thou. They have a pious look. In fact, on Sunday mornings, they look as pious as stuffed owls. We have some of them in our evangelical circles. 
People can't afford three pies at 10.45 a.m. on Sundays, only in that moment. It is a most convenient hour. They do not have to be religious to get up in time for 10.45 a.m. church. They do not lose out of their Sunday dinners either. They get a little fresh air. The service does not last long. The music is good most of the time. It only costs them the dollar they drop in the offering plate. So those who go to church only once a week on Sunday mornings leave themselves wide open to the suspicion that they are only part-time Sunday morning disciples. Are you a part-time Sunday morning disciple? Ask yourself that question. They are not in church enough to prove that they are any other kind of disciple. And what is a disciple and the only disciple that Christ looks for? It's the full-time, inside-out disciple in every season, in every branch, every area of my life. Going back to the title, Jesus Christ the head. Number one, Christ must be the head in all branches. My heart, my soul, my being, and my mind. Number two, Christ must be the head in all seasons, especially in the desert, in the wilderness. A, no exercise. B, no going back. C, no grumbling. D, only forward in grace. Be careful. The devil is real. The seven other wicked spirits, he will come back. They will go in. And the final condition of that person, it will be worse than the first. Just like that documentary with the guy who drinks juice for 40 days or 60 days. I think it's 60 days. He meets a truck driver. It's a really good documentary. I think juice, no, fat something or dead or I, I forget, but it's on Netflix. He meets a truck driver and he follows a diet. He loses a lot of weight. He makes part two of the documentary. And what happens? The condition of him. Is worse. He gains everything back because he left himself empty. Don't just leave yourself empty, but fill yourself. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then the wicked spirit will come and fill you. You'll be worse than you started. And lastly, point number three, Christ must be the head on Sundays. Amen. And amen. Amen and amen. Moses teaches the people, this wicked generation, today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Seventh day, the Sabbath. The Lord has given you Sabbath. So the people rested on the seventh day, going back to the creation. God creates the world for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. We must model what Christ did, what God did for us. Rest on the seventh day. Trust that the Lord will provide 
Sometimes at work, they pay you extra to work on Sunday. Sometimes businesses open, they stay open so that they can gain and make the extra money. But all we're doing is following the monetary things. Follow the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything shall be added to you. God provided the people with manna and quail and water. They could have been in the promised land right away. But God led them for 40 years because they were wicked, they were rebellious, and they did not trust the Lord fully. They were a part-time disciple, only on Sunday. May we not be a part-time, pious Christian, know how to dress, know how to walk, know how to talk. But truly, who are you within? Do you truly have a relationship with the Lord? Is he the head of your life, your heart, your soul, and your mind? Reflect upon the word here today. May you be challenged here today and know who you are and whose you are. Amen. And amen. With that, I want to invite you, if you could just take a moment before we sing our final song. I want to invite you to just reflect on today's message and ask yourself, is Jesus Christ the head of my life? As it says in Ephesians 1, 20-23, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. We are a church, amen, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. May we turn to the Lord and declare and say to him, Lord, you are the strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Let us pray together. Lord, I seek you. I seek you today. As a precious jewel, Lord, I need you. How can I give up here today? How can I rebel against you here today? Holy Spirit, teach us your ways to walk in the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with the Spirit of God and the love of the Lord. For we do not just stay empty, just cleaning ourselves on the outside, but inside we're full of wickedness and crooked to the core, full of rebellion with deceit. Lord, we need you here today. Lord, take my sin, take my cross, my shame, Lord, we rise here today to bless the name of the Lord. And we declare, God, you are all in all. 
May we continue be faithful in this wilderness. That when we fall down, that it is you that picks us up. That when we're dry, that you fill us up. You are my all in all. Heavenly Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Fill us, Lord, here today. Transform this church from the inside out. So that we be more and more, more like you. Can we all stand to our feet? We're going to sing it one time through. The path of life in Jesus only one time through. Now close us up in benediction. Let's sing together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the unending pursuit, may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit continue to keep you and guide you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen.